When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the latest edition of the Woke Bros. Of course, I'm Big Waz, a.k.a. Wosni Lambre. For those of you who were looking for a French lesson, joined as always by my, my partner in crime out on the west side of Los Angeles, Nando Vila. What's up, brother? Not much. Doing well, doing well. Back from vacation. Feeling fresh. Feeling you stay fine. on vacation, boy. Good. This man, he's he's a Spaniard for real. Vacation's a state of exactly. mind. Exactly. Yeah. On today's show coming up, you know, a listener reached out to us and said that he wanted us to talk about our own personal spirituality, our own journey with things like religion, spirituality, and how we got to be where we're at with it today. And I thought that would be a cool thing to talk about because you know, y'all know I'm atheist, but, um, you know, it's more complicated than that. And obviously, I know y'all want to know about Nando's own spiritual journey. Um, so we're going to get into that at the end of the show. Bernie Sanders has somehow made himself into the freaking leader and the voice of the Democratic Party. Obviously, there's the White House, but outside of the White House, the person who is carrying the flag and effectively communicating the message of what the agenda of this party is, is Bernie Sanders, more so than anybody else. And, um, you know, he's made some waves this week, and um, we're going to talk about just that. But first, guys, Joe Biden is, 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 is trying to do this thing. Um, Chuck Schumer has come out and said that he's going to bring the PRO Act to a vote once he gets 50 signatures. They're at 45. The fact that he's come out and said that while they're at 45 means that this thing is about to be over the goal line, right? Like, you don't come out publicly and say that you're going to bring the PRO Act to a vote if you're at 12 or 13 or even 30 votes. Like, you come out and say it because you Mm. know this thing is about to happen. And, man, Nando, are the Dems learning lessons? I don't recognize this Democratic Party is what I'm trying to say to you right now. What is is going on? Well, there's an element to that for sure. But there's also just an element that there is a more strong and powerful left. It's not it's not that powerful, but it's it's meaningful. It's not. It's not going away, and it has a much more robust voice um, in the national conversation, largely thanks to Bernie Sanders, as you as you t- as you mentioned. I mean, but also just the the millions of people who supported him and who you know have launched all kinds of grassroots campaign in the wake of his presidential campaign in 2016, which I see as kind of a watershed moment in American politics <laughs> when he kind of decides to run in 2016. It kind of changes the game a little bit. Um, obviously, though, that comes from the 
material conditions on the ground, which is that inequality is worse than ever. There's been an economic crisis since 2008. Um, there's the pandemic crisis. All these things contribute to um, the changes that we're seeing. But but what I think is crucial to this is that Chuck Schumer, f- f- as much as we hate him and as much as he's just kind of a loser, is the the, the leader of the of the Senate right now. And Chuck Schumer just so happens to be the senator from New York. And New York is the state in which we have the strongest left in this country. Chuck Schumer now <laughs> fears a primary from the left more than he fears the right. And that's that's just the, that's the bottom line. And it's important he, that the only you way Chuck Schumer is going to be defeated. You that, Nando. It's yeah. important that we mention that Chuck Schumer is also the state where Wall Street exists. <laughs> so yeah. like, like that's Chuck Schumer's uh, existence is those dueling realities. Yeah. And, and you know, obviously, like, I don't think that Chuck Schumer is going to do anything super meaningful to destroy Wall Street anytime soon. But he does feel, I think, rightfully so, that he is more vulnerable from a primary challenge from someone like AOC than from someone like, I don't know, Andrew Cuomo. Or I guess Andrew Cuomo, not Andrew Cuomo now, but like <laughs> Andrew you know, Cuomo the then. equivalent, whoever the Andrew Cuomo-like right. person is. Like he thinks that if AOC ran um, for his seat, he might sweat. And that's why he's he's behaving the way he is. He's just been much more amenable to the left than than what would happen if, you know, the Senate majority leader, for whatever reason, was someone from Virginia or some other state where the left isn't as powerful. Um, I think that that's, that's, a, that's a huge part of it, that Schumer, who in his heart of hearts is not a leftist in any <laughs> meaningful way, just like, the political realities that he fears the left no, more No, Nando, you said meaningful, right like in no way. Whatsoever. <laughs> no, no way. Yeah. <laughs> In zero way. So, yeah, I mean, so the PRO Act, uh, you know, which is this like massive labor legislation, which would transform this country. I mean, it's, it's, it would absolutely transform this country. It's the most meaningful piece of labor, labor legislation that would be passed in 90 years essentially, since since the 1930s, since 1935, the Wagner Act, which, which, which really codified organized labor um, in this country. And um, so... So, yeah, I mean, the fact that they have 45 senators on board is already pretty remarkable. The five holdouts are, the you know, the ones that you can predict. Kristen Sinema, Joe Manchin, Mark Warner from Virginia, who's incredibly conservative, um, uh, Mark Kelly from Arizona also. Um, but, you know, you can imagine, like, sustained pressure and, you know, hand-wringing and things like that. Maybe it gets to 50 and maybe it sees the floor. I mean, it's it's still there's still a lot of work to be done. But because organized labor has awoken a little bit from its slumber in in uh, of the past kind of two decades in which they just kind of were totally beholden to the Democratic Party. Now they're willing to exercise a little bit of leadership within the Democratic Party. Be like, no, 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 this is our priority. You need to push this. Like the, Obama already fucked them <laughs> with card check in 2009. He promised he was going to bring it, you know, he was going to make it a part of his priority. The unions trusted him and then he turned his back on them. Um, the unions probably learned from that experience and they're not going to let that happen again. They're not going to fall for that trick again. So they're actually exerting a lot of pressure. And as weak as they are now, historically speaking, they're still a pretty mm-hmm. powerful force. Mm-hmm. You know, they still have more power than you would think. I mean, we we talked about... Um, the Hunts Point market strike and things like that. And um, we talk about what's going on in Bessemer, Alabama. Um, you know, the unions are 
starting to exert their power a little bit more than they were, say, 15, 20 100%. years ago when they were really kind of absent. So, yeah, I mean, if this if this is able to pass, which I, you know, I still think that the odds are pretty long, um, it would be so utterly transformative. And maybe it doesn't the whole thing doesn't pass, but maybe like, you know, a decent chunk of it passes. The, the effects that it would have on this country are almost impossible to um, to like imagine because it would just completely change the terrain for organized labor in, in America. For the and better. man, you sent us in our, you know, our production chat, you sent us Ryan Grimm's tweet <laughs> of a New York Times piece where essentially people in Joe Biden's is an Axios. Oh, Axios. Sorry. Um, in an Axios piece where Joe Biden's people are essentially telling them that, like, yo, we like being considered more bold than Barry was. They're enjoying the, let's face it, man, the justified praise that they've gotten for just doing it. Um, and you know, man, again, I, I'm not going to hesitate to talk about it, Nando, because we did spend months on this show freaking dreading the Biden administration. <laughs> we spent months on this show mourning Biden's ascendance, right? And, you know, something that I don't think we considered was just the idea that they would do something and just the sort of self-indulgence of it all, the the like self-aggrandizement of it all of like, mm. wow, people think we're great. Like people are actually noticing that we're doing more than Barry and they're giving us props for it. Yeah. And how intoxicating that is because Biden was sort yeah. of a sidekick in this, you know, Beatle mania that was Barry's presidency, right? Like he was a sidekick to that and he saw how much... Quite frankly, dick sucking went on with Barry, yeah. and he's he came he's come out and he's done stuff, and people are like, "Yo, he's he's just more bold." His administration has out the gate been more bold than Barry's, and they like yeah. that. And it's something that I didn't consider, Nando. And I wonder, I wonder how much it does have to do with the climate being different, and how much props. Barry would have gotten for being actually bold and not just rhetorically bold. How much of that he would have gotten in 2008 and 2009? Because, like, let's face it, like, Jennifer Rubin is now a fucking quote unquote left winger. You know, that just wasn't the case back then. I wonder if they would have yeah. gotten that love. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that. I think that a big part of it, like you're right, that the conditions have changed so much. I mean, it's 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 we've been 12 years since the financial crisis of 2008 or thir close to 13 years now. Um, that really changed everything. And I think that the experience of of the last you know decade plus has really kind of changed a lot of the fundamental assumptions that that people in power had, um, which would have been, you know, much more unified in opposition to Obama had he pushed for something um, more grand. That is undoubtedly true. But, you know, at the end of the day, it's what we were just talking about with Bernie, you got to bend, you got to show leadership and you got to bend, you know, reality to your will, especially if you're in an overwhelming position of power, like being the president of the United <laughs> States, being, you know, people talk about like the backlashes to Obama because he was 
because he was black, but we forget about the enormous amount of goodwill that there was toward Obama around the world because he was such a likable figure and he was such a remarkable, inspirational figure. Plus the the very real grassroots mobilization that he marshaled in his first campaign, which he then purposefully shut down. You know, that's how you defeat opposition is through power and, (laughs) and, you know, your ability to marshal millions of people out onto the streets with just a press conference, you know, like which Bernie can do. You know, Bernie does that. And he's like, you know, I can I can bring attention to an issue like Bessemer, Alabama, by going there and just talking about and it. And that's why and you're one of the of best in the biz, Nando, because you naturally yeah. transitioned us into Bernie. And I want to, sorry to cut you off, but I do want to <laughs> get into it because... No, 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 no. Man, um... I'm proud of Bernie. <laughs> I'm proud of yeah. what he's doing. Um, Cause I think some of us were a little disappointed in how willing Bernie was to concede, to cede the ground to Biden and them people and how willing he was to just be like, I'm going to be a good soldier for Joe. I think a lot of us were like, mm, I would have liked to see Bernie be a little bit saltier about our loss, right? But turns out he knew what the fuck he was doing. And he yeah. understood that they understood that he was a credible threat to the party orthodoxy and the establishment and that he has people behind him. And you know, he just did an interview with Ezra Klein and you, whatever, I'm not here to litigate Ezra Klein and his standing within the greater political um, punditry culture. Like you can feel however you want to feel about Ezra Klein, but the bottom line is he's one of the top five most important people in liberal media. Like he's yeah, like it's Maddow. Possibly the top. Right. He's he's like yeah. he's in the top five most political most important people in political media. And I say that because Bernie just did an interview with him. And at the top of that damn interview, Ezra Klein gets on the mic and says, Yo, Joe Biden may have won that damn primary and won the election, but it's Bernie Sanders shit that's getting through. They're 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 legislating. Yeah. Through the filter of a Bernie Sanders worldview, which is no short of insane. It's crazy what what is happening. And he has Bernie on the show. And, you know, whatever. You guys should go listen to it. I think so. I think it's important because, you know, we make fun of normies all the time. But Ezra Klein is basically the Elvis of the normies. And guess (laughs) what? He's a fucking Bernie bro. Period. He gets yeah. on that damn mic and he says, what does he say? Nan? He said, yo, Bernie, tell me, because he said, first, I don't think the, 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 the um, stimulus went far enough. <laughs> and he said, convince me why I should be excited about this. And Bernie Sanders said, I don't have to convince you of shit. 75% of the American people are excited about this shit. Board. I said, yo. <laughs> Yeah. This motherfucker is doing it. And, you know, and we can get into sort of how he's using his position within the party to get stuff done. But I want to talk about Bessemer, Alabama and like 
Bernie is the one that is carrying the Democratic Party's flag down there. It's him that's doing it. It's nobody else. Where the fuck is Sherrod Brown, by the way? What the fuck is he doing? Where is he at in all of this? I know that Ohio is like straight up a red state now. So he has to shut the fuck up about a lot of stuff now. But like, whatever, that's a, that's a, a sidebar. But like Bernie Sanders is the representative of the Democratic Party down there. He's the one linking up with Killer Mike and my brother Danny Glover down there. It's Bernie Sanders. It's him that's going yeah. on Ezra Klein to defend the stimulus. Like, it's incredible, Nando. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that uh, when during the 2020 primary, because the, the disappointment was so it was profound tough. and stinging because we actually tasted defeat. We, we, we actually tasted yeah. victory. We could taste we could it. Feel you it. Know, after Nevada, we could feel it. It was like, holy shit, this guy could do it, you know? And then, but I think that once, once Obama made those phone calls and Buttigieg and Klobuchar dropped out and Biden won South Carolina and the party unified behind Biden, it was over. It was just over. There was nothing Bernie could have done differently that would have changed that fundamental fact that Biden was in the driver's seat. Once they unified around Biden, like Ber Bernie could only win in the same way that Trump won, which is that the opposition to him was frag fragmented and he won right. essentially by getting a minority of the votes right. um, in every state. He uh, he was never gonna he he was never gonna be, given the nature of the Democratic Party coalition these days, which we talked about with Matt Carp, um, in which there's a ton of suburban people out there. There's a ton of like, you know, as long as as long as they were fragmented, um, he had the best chance of winning because he had the the strongest kind of minority support. But once they all rallied around Joe Biden, it was over. And I think he knew it from that moment. I think he didn't he didn't feel that he had a shot. And like the second Klobuchar and Buttigieg dropped out, it was over. He was toast. He knew it. So he had two choices to make. Do I fight and try to do the best I can with what I got? Take or do I go kind home. of go down, go out guns blazing right. like Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, you know? Um, and he decided I'm going to fight. I'm going to keep, I'm going to keep, I'm going to keep going. You know, I lost. All right. So now I'm going to do what I can. He knew he was going to be the head of the budget committee if the, um, Democrats took the Senate, which was likely and ended up happening. This, the head of the budget committee in the Senate is an incredibly powerful position, as was seen because he was the one controlling what went into that fucking reconciliation bill. He was controlling it, you know, and he could strong arm senators because they knew he knew that they needed this for the coronavirus. Um, so he could strong arm it as, as much as he wanted. Um, and that had a huge effect. And it seems clear that Biden for all his like ideological, you know, horribleness <laughs> and awful track record or whatever, you know, does respond to political moments, political wins, always has. You know, he always has been kind of a weather vane in that sense. He's not like a died in the wool, wool ideologue. And for whatever reason, he likes Bernie. He just likes him. You can tell he likes him. He likes him, you know? <laughs> and I think Bernie just realized that and was like, I'm going to use this, you know, I'm going to use this to, for what I can. And I think that Biden is starting to realize, as was noted by that, that, you know, that quote in Axios that like, you know, the big stuff that he's doing gets him praise, you know, the, the sort of the moderation, the, you know, compromise, all that shit. It pleases no, it pleases no one in the end. Like, you know? no, that, and um, that's. That's what I think centrists no don't no understand points. is that you actually have no constituency. 
Like, there's no yeah. like large swath of people who want. There is no this, center. Like tepid shit. Like, there's people who need no. help and people who don't. That's it. And if you give people who need help this, like, piddling, small fucking amount of it, they don't notice it. Yeah. People, there's been political science studies that I encourage people to seek out. Look up what a Mars voter is. A Mars voter. People think of the average, quote unquote, swing voter or independent as someone kind of in the middle who is just, you know, likes a little bit of that, a little bit of that, a little bit of that. That is not the case. Set, quote unquote centrist voters or independent voters or swing voters, whatever you want to call them, what what the Mars voter theory says is that they're called middle American radicals, meaning that they have very extreme positions. They just don't fit into the partisan kind of <laughs> sorting, you know, in which like they might think you need to tax the rich at 80 percent and you also need to like murder every immigrant. Yes. You know, like that's like the average yes. quote unquote centrist, yes. you yes. know? <laughs> you know, they're extreme positions, but they don't fit into into like the the sort of party orthodoxies um in any way. So moderation and kind of like you know, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Actually, no one likes that shit outside of like outside Washington of Post editorial writers. DC. Right. Yeah, exactly. Um those are the only people who love that shit. Uh, but voters, no one likes that shit. They would, they, you know, if they, if Biden had come out with a five thousand dollar check, they would, they would have loved that shit. <laughs> no one's like, hmm, I think they're going a little too far, <laughs> you know, like no. <laughs> so you know, it looks like American politics, you know, which is an oil tanker and takes forever to turn and all that shit. But like the the the, the potential virtuous cycle between Bernie agitating on the left. And influencing Biden to go bigger and bolder. And then Biden doing that and then getting a positive feedback hmm. loop because he sees he becomes more and more popular. <laughs> like once this bill, like once this $1.9 trillion stimulus starts getting, you know, in people's pockets, you know, the economy starts to tick up, the coronavirus, you know, vaccine, everyone gets vaccinated, everyone starts going out. And I mean, look at look at Miami right now. Man. People are <laughs> fucking going crazy in my hometown. <laughs> You know, like, this summer is going to be fucking madness. Like Joe Biden could be the most popular president of our lifetime. And like if he gets into that virtuous feedback loop of like the bigger, the, the bolder I do, the bigger, you know, praise I get, the more popular I get, you know, we might we might see some 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 pretty good things coming out of it. But, you know, we got to keep the pressure on. We got to keep it. Um, you know, we got to keep our eyes wide open. We know like that there's there's monsters all over the place. Um but uh, but that's the that's kind of the dynamic that American politics is kind of entering right now. Um, so, yeah, thanks thanks lots of Bernie. <sighs> Man, it's it, it's crazy. Um, you know, we 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 spend a lot of time talking about what's happening in in Alabama and Bessemer at that one Amazon factory that you know is yeah. rippling out in in such a crazy five days left. Five days until that fateful vote, and again. I just can't stress it enough. Like this shit matters that, you know, basically the third most, probably the third most recognizable, no, four, for whatever, outside of the Clintons and Obama, um, who are uber celebrities, like Bernie is one of the most popular Democrats alive. And he's going to that freaking town in support of those workers. And he's representing that damn party. It's not Joe Manchin, 
who has never done anything for anybody in his fucking life, right? Um, it's yeah. not him. It's Bernie doing it. And, you know, the the way he is seizing this moment, um, I'm proud of him, man. I'm, I'm proud to say that I support the guy and that, you know, that um, I'm proud to call myself a Bernie bro. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, the way yeah. he's carrying the, like... Nando kind of touched on it, but like the 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 just the dejection that existed after we realized we weren't going to win that primary as Bernie supporters, um, for it to get to where it is now, it's it's amazing, man, and it's because of Bernie's vision <laughs> and his yeah. fucking just his dedication to the cause, the mission. Like this dude is about the mission and nothing else. It's. It's amazing. I think, you know, blessed people, people with more vanity would have been pissed about that shit and would have, you know, yeah. um, just started wars over how that whole thing went down. And Bernie did something else because he's dedicated to the shit that we've basically, we started this pot over. So salute to Bernie Sanders. I know we do it a lot on this show, but what the fuck, man? The guy keeps delivering. <laughs> he's the best. He's our best yeah. leader. Period. And, um, and it's not even close. Squeaky doors, clogs, sinks, finicky engines. When things break around the house, you take care of it. However, when something's off in the bedroom, you just try not to think about it. Come on, man. What are you waiting for? That's a problem that needs to be fixed. So take care of it. Go to GetRoman.com slash B-O-M now. With Roman, you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your home. A U.S. licensed healthcare professional will work with you to find the best treatment plan. And if medication is appropriate, it ships you free with two-day shipping. The whole process is straightforward and discreet. Getting started is simple. Just go to GetRoman.com slash B-O-M and complete an online visit. Take care of your ED without leaving your home. Complete an online visit today to connect with a healthcare professional and take care of it. Go to GetRoman.com slash B-O-M right now and you'll get $15 off your first month. It's really time to take care of your ED. Remember, get started today. You'll save $15 on your first order of ED treatment. That's GetRoman.com slash B-O-M. Um, and so, you know, we talked about, we mentioned at the top of the show, Nando, that we would get into the subject of spirituality and our own personal journeys. Um, you know, I can start on my own. Obviously, I'm the child of two Haitian immigrants. If you know anything about that part of the world, you know, these people are freaking Christian um, and mostly Catholic. Mm -hmm. I went to Catholic school from grades one through 12, basically my whole school life. Um and everybody around me is Catholic and all of that stuff. And by like, I want to say eighth grade, I had decided that I was no longer Catholic, that I was probably what I realize now is atheism. Um, I don't subscribe to any of the orthodoxies of modern organized religion, um, which is to say that, no, I don't think Jesus walked on water. I don't think um, Father Abraham had 250 kids or I don't think that um, Moses parted the Red Sea. I don't I don't subscribe to any of that shit. Um, I do think because, you know, because my life has been centered around Christianity for so much of it, um, I think there's something to be 
learned about Jesus, who was the first socialist, <laughs> right? Like there's something yeah. to be, there's definitely lessons to be gleaned from what, what the new Testament is trying to tell you about this guy, Jesus, um, about the idea that this guy was the son of man, the son of God, like literally a God on earth. And he wanted to hang out with poor people. He wanted to wash the feet of the homeless people. He wanted to serve people. I think there's something 100% powerful in that message. Like when it comes to who you want to fuck or marry or all of that other dumb shit that people be on, I don't have time for it. But the message that the New Testament is trying to teach is about service <laughs> to, toward others, unto others. Um, yeah, that's a message that absolutely resonates with me. Um, I think, you know, some of the stories, the stories that resonated with me in when I was in school in religious class was I was drawn to Mary Magdalene. I was drawn to, you know, um, hmm. the, the idea that they were stoning some lady um, for whatever reason. And, you know, Jesus stepped up and said, yo, let he who's without sin cast the first stone. Like we don't get to treat people yeah. like that. You know what I'm saying? Like love your neighbor. Um, like all of those things are things that resonated with me 100% and still do. But no, I don't think Jesus floated into outer space on Easter Sunday. No, I do not believe that. And I never will. But I think that that those lessons definitely are things that inform my worldview to this day. And I think it, quite frankly, I think it, it informs my socialism straight up and down. I just yeah. believe in the power of what people can do. I do believe that people are genuine, gen, generally good in the way that we define it mm -hmm. in that they don't want to fucking do harm. The others just want to be happy and are happy when other people are happy. I generally, you know, I feel that way. And I think, growing up around all the Christianity. And again, as cause you know, and not to toot my own horn, but when I was a kid, I like, I was the kid that I paid attention to what these teachers were saying in class, like in religious class, I paid attention, you know, it was like, wait, so like, we got to forgive people and give them like second chances. Like that's what Jesus, no, Jesus is like, yeah, you got to forgive people. You got to let it go. Yeah. <laughs> you have to be um, tolerant. You have to be X, Y, and Z. Like, it's like, wow, like it, 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 those things absolutely stayed with me. And yeah, they inform everything that I do. Like, do, am I a humanist? Probably. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's yeah. generally what I think is guiding who I am and what I do on a day to day basis. Like, I just think that people are generally good, man. And we should. And that's how we should operate um, on that assumption. I'm not somebody like I'm somebody who like I really wouldn't lock my doors generally. Like I don't like I don't think people are trying to fuck me over. Like I just don't feel that way. Yeah. Um. And that's you know and 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 I know I'm rambling, but like that's just my general worldview now. As far as um you know do I think there's a god or whatever? And, and I tell people the same shit. Like all of these things that cannot be explained to us to me that's God. What you can't explain, you know what I'm saying? And back in the days, that's why people thought the sun was God. Because they just, they, they couldn't fathom how this thing could operate. And now we have science and we understand certain things or whatever. So we, we've advanced past that. But to me, um, the unexplainable, that's, that's, that's God. And that, I guess that's my, you know, fucking spiritual uh, concept, Daniel. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, I was thinking about our old friend Mike yeah. uh, 
Michael Brooks when this question was posed to us because it's something that he talked about a lot. You know, he was a he was a pretty spiritual person. Um, he always talked about um, if you're going to have a left, it, it needs to be a spiritual left because if you don't if you don't have that element, it becomes very difficult to um, transcend the petty kind of bullshit you see on a day to day basis. And I think that um, I think that there's a lot of truth to that in many ways that if you don't if you don't take a much broader view, um, you are vulnerable to falling into a lot of the traps that often happens when you when you live a life devoid of that. So, you know, for example, like the key tenets that you just discussed, uh, uh, forgiveness being at the top of it, um, humanism, believing in the genuine goodness of people, um, I think are things that um, are worth keeping in mind when you see a tweet you don't like and you want to react <laughs> to it, you know, um, or when you want someone to get fired over something they said, um, you know, if they didn't say the exact right words, um, you, you know, the, everything about the online world, um, pushes people towards bad faith interpretations of what they right. say or like judges people for their worst moment. And I want you to think about the worst thing you've ever done in your life. And then imagine there were cameras there. And then imagine if you would be willing to survive that thing, the whatever it is, the most horrible thing you've ever done in your life being filmed and posted online for everyone to see. And then would you want to be judged for that moment? Um, and I firmly believe that most of us would not want to be judged for that moment. Most of us would not survive that moment in the current environment. You know, we would want forgiveness, but we would not necessarily get it. Um, and I think that that informs a lot of my, for lack of a better term, humanism and spirituality is that like you, you can't judge people for their worst moment. Um, you know, I remember when there was a CSPN reporter who got, uh, there was a video of her basically talking down to a tow, uh, a, a, a tow truck <laughs> person. Mm -hmm. Um, her car got towed and then she went to the place where her car got towed and she berated the guy who towed her car in like very pretty awful language, like being very classist and, you know, saying like, well, you probably didn't even go to college and shit like that. And, you know. She was clearly very frustrated and she reacted poorly and it was filmed and it was maybe one of her worst moments. And like, do I think that she's necessarily a bad person because of that? Like, no, we've all been frustrated and lost our temper and said shit we regret. Um, it's just a very human thing. So, I, I you know, I, I think that's in short order these days. Um, people love to remember the worst thing someone's ever done and bring it up whenever they're trying to do better, whenever they're trying to better themselves. Um, and I think Mike's, uh, Mike's mantra that he said a lot, which, you know, he would himself tell you he didn't always live up to, which was be kind to people and ruthless with systems, um, is, is something that is very worth living, words that are worth living by. Um, I also grew up Catholic. 
I don't know. Maybe was we got that in common. <laughs> we, we should call it like the Catholic Bros. I actually went to a Catholic university. I went to Boston College, which is Jesuit. Right. Um, which, by the way, the people who religious... don't know, the Jesuits are the cool crew of the. They're like the progressive, the Catholic, they're the progressive Catholics <laughs> who get like banned every once in a while because yeah. they're too progressive. But they were very much part of. Um, uh, very much influential in what was called liberation theology in in Latin America, which was this sort of strain of Catholicism, which was very very left wing, um, and a lot of the priests and stuff that led the the sort of leftist movements, um, in Latin America, anti oppression, um, anti colonial and like revolutionary movements were were Catholic priests as part of liberation theology. I mean, Oscar Romero, um, in El Salvador was was m- murdered by death, CIA death uh, back death squads. Um, and, uh, so there is something to that. I mean, I personally, I'm like you, I'm, I'm, I'm atheist. I don't, um, I don't have that kind of belief, but I'm not like also, I'm not also one of those people who like goes down the, the new atheist, no, you know, rabbit hole and is like, you're, no, 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 you believe this fantasy land fairy tale. Um, I don't judge people for that either, you know? Um, I think that especially the people who live, who live sort of earnestly by the teachings, right. You know, that don't just believe the sort of literal stories, but maybe, maybe believe the teachings behind them and sort of earnestly try to live their lives by them. Um, I find to be an admirable quality in, in people. Um, but yeah, just be kind to one another out there. And, and I know that like, you know, when your life is shitty and when the world around you seems shitty, there's a little bit of a rush when you get to like feel morally superior to someone who has done an embarrassing thing or a wrong thing or even a bad thing. Um, And I would just encourage everyone to think about the worst thing that they've ever done and think about whether they would want that to be aired out publicly or not. And and I want people to understand um, a sort of... Like, this is how you connect your politics to this stuff. Um, I think (laughs) me and Nando like to toot our own horn for being deeply ideological. And damn right. Like, I think a lot of this cancel culture or consequence culture or whatever, to me, the same people who will get on the Internet and talk shit about the Clintons and Biden and the crime bill will then be cool with that shit. I'm like, this is crime bill behavior that you guys are exhibiting. This is three strikes behavior. This is reactionary, conservative behavior that you're engaging in, right? Like, you don't want to be those kinds of people. So don't. You know what I'm saying? Like, you don't have to be... Oh, one chance and you're out. You don't have to lack empathy and forgiveness, even for white people who fuck up. Like, I'm sorry, bro. Like, you don't have to be like that because I'm telling you in the end, it's not going to work out in our favor in the long term. It just doesn't. It doesn't work out for us to be reactionary, conservative psychopaths. I'm sorry. Like, when you guys want people to get fired... You're participating in crime bill behavior. You're participating in super predator behavior. That's what you're doing, dude. So, like, knock it off, you know? And, again, like, I'm telling you, like, all of this stuff, this sort of spiritual stuff and this idea of this belief in, you know... (laughs) 
human ingenuity and and human goodness. I know it's pie in the sky and it's going to be like, Jesus Christ, Waz, you're a fucking sap. Get over it. I am. And I'm not going to act like I'm not going to behave in any other fashion, you know, and I'll end with this. Like I went on my athletic show with DA hoops adjacent and I didn't defend Myers Leonard, but the the guy's right to have a job. Yeah, I'm going to defend that. I don't think just saying that terrible word that's a slur for Jewish people um, should get you fired and banned from the NBA. No, that's a whack thing that he said. And yes, if he would have said nigger, I would be saying the exact same thing. Period. Mm. Period. You don't get to, you like you shouldn't have to get fired for that, bro. You know, like he shouldn't be banned from the league for it. He might be banned for the league because he kind of sucks now. <laughs> but like just for doing a bad one bad thing and just saying it not that he threw his wife down a um a staircase or that he like did something he said something whack and so like i'm telling you bro i don't believe we should act like that yes there should be consequences towards people's actions yeah sure we're gonna make consequences but we don't have to have them be extreme ones even for people who we don't like and, um, yeah. you know, that's just being true to what you believe in, honestly. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree with that instinct. I mean, I didn't follow that story very closely, although was I, am nothing from, I, mean, I am a Heat fan. But uh, <laughs> you know, my instinct is always just to be like, let's just, you know, he said the bad thing. I get it. You know, it sucks. It's, he's an idiot. He's yeah. a fucking idiot. He's a dumbass athlete. I get it. Um, like, I don't know. Maybe like. There's there's definitely ways to find out like there's there's definitely options out there for things like that like you know maybe some sort of rehabilitation thing an education thing like should we try to like help people get better or should we just I don't know bring the axe down in in, in every single case I mean the punitive nature of it I don't know that it 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 has changed things for the better I mean. Has it has it has it brought has it made the world a better place? <laughs> I don't know. So yeah. So that's what we got. Um, I can't hold on. Let me pull up the listener so I can give him his props. Um, because I do want to thank you for uh just you know just the idea of bringing that sort of thing up on our show. Oh, it, it was actually a DM. But um, mm. shouts to you, Aiden, man. Um, thank you for DMing Nando and asking us to to bring this up today because, you know, I think it's important to the work we're trying to do. And I think this shit informs how we feel and why we feel it. So thank you. Um, thank you for that. Uh, yeah, man. Make sure you guys are subscribed to every single other Count the Dings offering. Of course, make sure you're checking out the OG show. With Amin, Black Trey, myself, John Gervais, of course, Crazy Sexy Cool with the the wonderful ladies of Las Vegas, uh, Meek and Elizabeth and Bethany. They're great. They're going to give you sex advice. They're going to talk about their own lives. And these women live interesting lives, y'all. Um, please check out Crazy Sexy Cool. Of course, growing up the same with, with Trey and my man Jay, interviewing luminaries all across the culture. Uh, they had my man DA on here last week, which I just thought was an amazing um, sort of culture clash, man. Like my coworker DA, 
obviously one of my heroes in the media space. And Trey and um, Jay conducted a dope interview with him about just his life, his his come up. It's just, it's just crazy. I would encourage you guys to go check it out. David Aldridge is literally in the Basketball Hall of Fame. Um, and yeah, make sure you listen to the Friday Mailbag, Cinephobe, Pack Your Knives is coming back. Uh, uh, check out everything that we got to offer on the feed. Fernando Vila for my brother, Rob Lopez, who I love. Not just because he produces this show, because he's just an awesome dude and a friend. Um, Shouts to Rob Lopez on the ones and threes. Uh, We'll see you guys next week. We're out of here. Yo, I mean, what's the biggest complaint I always have whenever we record these podcasts? Besides Jerv being too sleepy, um, I think it's you forget to name a couple of things. You always want to talk about some extra stuff. Oh, man. It's the worst feeling in the world. When we get done and we say cut and I'm sending the files to Rob and I say, shit, I forgot we were going to talk about this topic or that topic. Well, guess what? We're not going to have those problems anymore. If you go ahead and download the Stereo app. That's right. Go to Stereo.com slash Darth Amin and make sure you are linked and subscribe to us. And we're going to talk about all of the different things that I always forget about. This is a great app. Every time you guys are listening to this pod, you say, oh, I wish I could chime in, but you're listening to a pod. You can never chime in. It's pre-recorded. Guess what? With stereo, you're able to have your voice heard. You can ask real-time questions about either the pod episode we recorded or whatever we're talking about at the time. It's great. It's a forum for you to listen to your favorite podcasters. That'll be me and are yours truly all at the Count the Things Network. And we're going to be out here. We're going to do this regularly multiple times a week just hop on stereo download the app subscribe follow darth the mean follow talk hoops follow trayvon follow big Waz. all of us you know who we are you search for us on the stereo app you will find us and subscribe to us and be a part of these conversations real time have the ability to ask the questions that you want to ask stop us when we're on some bullshit as we are frequently And of course, catch some content that goes above and beyond what you listen to in the podcast you already love. Again, that is the Stereo app. And you can follow me, Stereo.com slash Darth Amin. You can look up everybody else by their handles. Their handles are all the same as what we have on social media. You join us multiple times a week. I love Stereo. I'm on the app talking all the time. Follow me and get notified every time I go live.